0: Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today to the JTP Church Podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message. If you want to share with us what God is doing in your life, you can write us at hello at jtp.church. If you would like to partner with us and make a financial gift to our ministry, you can visit us at www.jtp.church and make a donation. Now sit back and enjoy the message. is about to do in the next couple of minutes. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amazing. It's so awesome to be in the presence of the living God. Isn't it crazy that, you know, sometimes we have this conception or this idea that God is so far away, but I mean, when you just start worshiping, it's like you draw God right here and he's just so close. It's almost palpable. Turn to somebody and tell them, God, God, is closer than you think. Tell them God is in this place. Amen. Good to be back. You guys may be seated. Carly and I have been six days away. We had a vacation, much needed. Uh, we took some time off to just spend some time with the family. We didn't go anywhere, but uh, had so much time, and we celebrated her 30th birthday. Big one. That's a big one. So we honored her, and a lot of you guys did as well. So Thank you so much for that. I'm so pumped up to be able to share to you about something that God's been working inside of my life. And it has to do about something that's very basic. You know, sometimes it's good to go back to the basics. And today we're going to talk a little bit about our prayer. And next week, make sure you come back next week. We're going to start a new series on how to listen to God's voice. How many of you guys know that God still speaks? We say it all the time here in church. But you know what? You have to be positioned correctly to be able to know how to hear God's voice. And we're going to be talking a little bit about this. We're going to have about two or three Sundays that we're going to talk about this. And I just want to set a foundation today on the importance of prayer. And I call today's sermon, Turn Over, God Controlled. So I want you to turn to two or three people that are close to you and tell them, Turn over. And now tell them, I'm God Controlled. And when I came up with this title, "Controlled," is probably a word that we don't like to use because we don't like to be controlled by anything. But if there's one thing or one person that you really want to be controlled by, it's the Holy Spirit and God. Amen? So we're God-controlled. And I want you to go with me to the book of Luke, chapter 18. And while you look for that, I want to share with you a quote that Martin Luther said once. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Be... Christian without prayer is not more possible than to be alive without breathing. Y'all alive today? Everybody breathing? The same way you are alive today because you are breathing, the same way prayer is so important in the life of a Christian. Luke chapter 18, verse number one. It says this, then Jesus spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart saying there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me. Tell somebody close to you, I need someone to do me justice. This widow needed somebody to do her justice. And she went to the king, Get justice for me from my adversary. Verse number 4, And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her. Lest by her continual coming she will weary me. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect to cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth we need to be people of faith. Raise your right hand with me and declare, I am a person of faith. It's important to be a person of faith, and it's important to keep that faith and to build on that faith. See, every, every faith or religion, if you want to call it that, has prayer. A lot of them have one way or one form of prayer. And I started looking up a little bit. For example, if you look up the tribes, the Indian tribes, they have their way of praying For everyday things such as health, such as food, they pray for rain, for children, they pray for victories and battles. Back in the days, the Incas and the Aztecs, they went so far as to sacrifice human beings in order to get the attention of their gods for something that they really needed. Modern Muslims today, five times a day, they will drop everything they're doing, whether they're in a coffee house, whether they're in the the airport, in their house, doing whatever. They stop in order to pray to their God. Even atheists find ways to pray. And I found this its pretty interesting. In the 1950s, in communist Russia, they would hang a portrait in public workplaces, and right beneath his portrait, they would have some type of message, and the message would read as follows. It says, if you meet with difficulties in your work or suddenly doubt your abilities, think of him, of Stalin, and you will find the confidence you need. If you feel tired in an hour when you should not, think of him, of Stalin, and your work will go well. If you are seeking a correct decision, think of him, of Stalin, and you will find that decision. So even atheists, People that are communists, people that don't believe in God, they pray to someone. We all have that need to pray. How many say amen? So important to pray to the right person and to the person that has the power, the ability to respond to you because otherwise you'd be wasting your time. Prayer is universal because it speaks to the human need. I love something that Thomas Merton said. He said, prayer is an expression of who we are. We are a living incompleteness. If we weren't, incomplete, then what's the need for prayer? Am I right? If I got it all figured out and I got everything that I could ever want or need, then what's the need to go to a higher power and tell them, look, I need this or help me understand this or let me be more like you. But because we are incomplete beings, we need prayer. We need to connect to a higher being. We are a gap, continued Merton. We are a gap, an emptiness that calls for fulfillment. I started going into statistics. I wanted to see how much people really pray. There's a very important poll. You guys may know about it, the Gallup polls. It said that more Americans will pray this week than they will exercise, than they will drive a car, than they will have sex, and that they will go to work. More Americans will pray than go to work this coming week. That's, That's a lot. That's a large percentage. Think about the workforce, how many people will go to work tomorrow morning, whether you have your business or whether you're employed by a company or whatever. More people than will go to work this whole week will pray. If you go right now on Google and you take some time and you just type a pray or prayer, you're going to be surprised that you're going to come up with millions of hits. Prayer is going to come up so much all over the place, yet behind all these impressive numbers lies a conundrum. And Jesus Starts telling a parable to his disciples about the importance, and he's teaching two things. Everybody say two things. One of the things that I wanna drive home today, right? One of the first things that he says is, I'm giving you guys this parable so that you can know that people should always pray. I want you to turn around and say hi to two or three people in back of you, and I want you to tell them, We should always pray. That's what Jesus was saying in this parable. He taught it with the idea and with the determination that we would always pray. Not sometimes, not when it's convenient, not when you need something, but always pray. And then the second thing that he teaches in this parable that we just finished reading is that people should never lose heart. Tell the person... In back of you, the same one that you just finished bothering, tell them, we can never lose heart. And what does losing heart mean? Well, losing heart means losing up your faith, giving up. So many times we start praying, but when we don't see the situation reversed or when we don't see what we were expecting to get, when we don't, we don't, it takes time to get here. In the process, we lose faith. We lose strength. We give up. And that's The purpose why Jesus taught this parable, so that we could constantly pray, and in the process of prayer, that we would never lose heart of the things that God promised. In the passage that we just read, we are introduced to two people there is a king and there's a widow. And the king, this guy was a selfish jerk. He only thought about himself, he didn't care about anybody. If you read carefully, you notice that he didn't care for God, he didn't fear God, and he didn't care for people. I mean, why in the world was he king? But the fact of the matter is that he was a king, and he didn't care about God, and he didn't care about people, much less this widow. And this widow came because she had a situation. She's the second person or the second character in this parable. Came up to the king, and she had a situation. Somebody was an adversary to her, and somebody was doing an injustice to her but she didn't have the ability or the power or the resources to be able to fix the situation on her own. I don't know if that drives home to somebody today. I don't know if maybe you're in a situation today where you need somebody to do you justice because you've just been dealt a card that you don't know how to resolve. And you're in the midst of a situation that you can't solve on your own. This is something that relates to all of us. We all go through things that we say, why the injustice? Why did this happen? I did not deserve this. I come to church. Why, why is God allowing this to happen? And we're going through these situations, and sometimes in the process we're praying, but then we lose heart. So then Jesus starts telling this parable, and it starts saying that this person originally came to the king and told him, look, I need you to help me. This person's doing me wrong. I need you to come. I'm a widow. I don't have my husband. I don't have my children nobody can help me you're the only one you're the king give me a hand the king said you know get out of here i don't have time for you you know i'm too busy doing other stuff that are more important but then what happened the bible says that she became persistent everybody say persistent and if you read the parable carefully you start seeing that through persistence the widow won the favor of the selfish king he had no regard for her he didn't care a dime for this widow But because she persisted and she persisted and she persisted, he finally said, this lady is driving me crazy. I'm going to give her what she needs or else she's going to make my life a living hell. So because of persistence, the king said, you know, do her justice. He gave the word. They did justice, whatever the situation was, and she got what she needed. And then Jesus says, if this guy who is just selfish and all he thinks about is himself, is able to do that for this widow, don't you think God who loves us unconditionally will not abide for you and will not fight your battles and will not give you, give his children that cry out to him day, cry out to him at night the things that they deserve or the things that they need? Everybody say prayer is important. We have to pray always and we can't lose heart While we're praying for things. Now, this doesn't mean that all we have to pray for are things we need. Because right now, this widow needed justice. But you're probably thinking, I'm needing a car. Or I'm needing a situation. God has no problem with giving you the things that he needs. But prayer is much more than just going to God to get him to do the things that you want prayer is going to him so that you could be transformed to him and your mind could connect to God's so that you could start thinking as he thinks and things could start open up and you could start seeing the dimension of God which is a lot higher than your dimension how many say amen? amen you see almost everyone believes in prayer almost everyone believes that prayer is important and even paramount but the great majority feels guilty about their failure to actually pray We live in a time where we have a constant sensation of not enough. And I'm sure you guys, right there where you're sitting, you could agree with me. We don't have enough time. We don't have enough rest. We don't have enough exercise, right? We don't have enough leisure. We don't have enough time to study. We don't have enough time to sit down and have food as a family. Where does God fit into a life that already seems behind schedule? I'm already so backed up, so where am I going to put God in this life of mine that it's already behind schedule and I got so many things to catch up on. How many people have things to catch up on? Exercise maybe? Yeah? (laughs) Prayer, perhaps? Catching up on family time? Catching up on your rest? How many of you guys sleep eight hours a day or more? (laughs) What was that, like 2% of the congregation? We have all these things that we need to catch up on. And then we, we see, man, how am I gonna start praying the way that God wants me to pray if I'm already messed up? And if we finally do choose to look inward and bear our souls, now we have therapists, we have support groups that they offer outlets that were once reserved for God alone. So now instead of going to God directly and saying, God, look, I have this situation. You know what? I'd rather just go to a friend and tell him what I'm going through because at least I get a nod from him or from her. At least that person, you know, or the counselor, if I go and seek counseling, at least that person talks to me. But going, bearing my mind and taking time to connect with an invisible person and tell them the things that I'm going through. And we start thinking, man, I'd rather go and talk to a person. Think about this out of all the activities that are part of the Christian life there's no one that raises so many problems in opposition as prayer but there's nothing that we as Christians I include myself in the group that we struggle day in and day out than prayer I wrote down a few here a few other instances and other things that are don't require as much effort we don't struggle with attending worship services we come here we're all here we're gathered you know, consistently every Sunday we're here. We don't struggle, most of us, to go to HOBs, you know, small groups. Let Raise your hand if you go to the small groups. Look at that. More than 75% of those that raise your hands go, that's amazing. I think that deserves a round of applause. Come on. (laughs) 75% of us, HOBs, once a week we go into somebody's house and we talk about the Bible. You know, we share a coffee or, you know, something a little bit more leisurely. We also get involved in our department, and we serve in the church. We don't have a problem with that. A lot of people are involved. We have ushers. We have people using their amazing talents. How about the worship team tonight? Was that amazing or what? They use their talents. We got people in the audio. We have amazing people putting up the lyrics. But we have amazing people. We have ushers. We have the forward team. We have the welcome team. We have the the creative team. We have so many people. But we don't struggle with that. We will even read the Bible. But take time to clear your mind and stop all that you're doing to speak to an invisible person. When you are already behind schedule, it's such, such a struggle. And here's what I want to share with you. I'm not going to be long. But I want you to go to Psalms chapter 2, verse 10. Because there's... Wisdom in this Psalms chapter 2, and you'll see that doesn't take a lot of words for God to share wisdom. It's a small verse, and it says, Be still. Psalms chapter 2, verse 10. Everybody say with me, Be still. With me, okay, at the count of three, ready? One, two, three. Be still. We're running all over the place. We got so many things that we want to do, so many places to be, people to meet, things to do. And God is telling us, hey, be still. Be still. The first thing we need to do is be still. And this is something that modern life conspires against. We feel, I don't know if it happens to you, it happens to me all the time. I feel that I'm more operative and I'm getting more stuff done. If I'm walking and I'm doing stuff and I'm thinking and I'm... But God says, hey, 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 time out. Be still. And it's so hard for us. Even when we're still physically, our mind is traveling 100 miles an hour, and we're like, oh, my gosh, I forgot to pay that bill. Oh, my gosh, we got to do this. Oh, oh, groceries. Oh, my God, I don't have milk for the kids. And our mind starts racing, and God wants us to be still physically, still emotionally, still in our thought process to be able to connect with him. The Latin imperative for be still is vacate. Everybody say vacate. V-A-C-A-T-E. God invites us. It's God telling us, hey, take a vacation to stop being God of your life for a while and let me be God. Because we're trying to do God's job. And we're trying to open doors ourselves. And we're trying to figure out what's the best thing for us when God knows better. And God says, be still, vacate, vacation. Take a vacation, all right, and let me do my job. The reason why we don't see God sometimes glorify himself in our family, in our lives, it's not because God doesn't have the power. It's not because God is upset with you. It's because, man, you're sitting on the throne. And God wants to take you out of the throne so he could sit there and you could become a person that's God-controlled. But you're too busy controlling your own life. And God is like, if that's the way you want it, I respect your will. I respect your decision. And God continues knocking at the door of our hearts. Scream out loud, be still. still. That's the first thing God wants us to do. Too often we think that prayer is a serious chore, when in reality, it is God inviting us to take a break and let Him help. Prayer is just God telling you, hey, give me a chance. You'll be surprised at the things I can do. You know, my power hasn't changed. The same things you read in the Bible, I'm able to do today and even greater if you just give me a chance. I'm ecstatic because I believe that from this night, from this evening on, people are going to start to be more still. It doesn't matter if you got stuff backed up. God can help you with backed up stuff. God can help you with those backed up bills. God can help you with your debt. God can help you with your situation. God can help you with your papers. God can help you. He has no limit. He can help you socially. He can help you emotionally. He can help you in whatever you're going through. As far back as Adam and Eve, the original sin was what? Why did Adam and Eve bite the fruit? It was very appealing. If you do it, you'll be like God. And that was the sin. They wanted to be like God. Don't fall for the same trap. Let God be God in your life and give him his place in your life and watch it all turn out much better than if you were at the helm. How many say amen? Amen. Come on, help me preach. Put your hand around two or three people around you and tell them, let God. Let God be God in your life. Once you're able to be still, that's why it's so important. And the psalmist would always talk about praying to start off your day before the sun rises. When your mind is fresh, you still haven't gotten out of your house and realize you didn't have gas in your car and you're late already and you have to stop and put gas and then there's an accident and then your mind starts traveling. You have to, before all that stuff happens, before you rise up against all the challenges of the day at work or in the family or wherever you are, God says, take some time now that it's still, now that it's quiet to connect with me because I have wisdom for you for this day. And once you're still, once you're still, look what happens. It prepares you for the second command. He says, can we put the verse up one more time? It says, be still. And then it says, know that I am God. Once you're still and you turn over your executive chair, your decision-making, you turn over your will unto God, you'll realize that prayer and only prayer restores your vision to one that more resembles God's. You start seeing life different. You start seeing your challenges different. You start seeing them through the lens of God. You start seeing things as God sees them. There's no challenge that's too great for God. No impossibility that scares them. He could do all things. And when you're still and you know who God is in your life, he manifests it, he instills it in your heart, he instills it in your spirit, you start seeing problems differently. You start seeing your challenges differently. You start seeing yourself differently. Maybe you saw yourself as somebody that needed so much help and you didn't realize that that God is with you. He promised to be with you all the days of your life. So why are you going to see yourself so low and so small when God said that he's with you, that he'll fight your battles, that he'll give you victory? So you start seeing things with the lens of God and everything changes. Philip Yancey said, in true prayer, we shift our point of view away from our own selfishness. And I love what this other person, Soren Kierkegaard, he said, The function of prayer is not to influence God, but rather to change the nature of the one who prays. So when I pray, I'm not trying to influence God. Oh, God, I'm trying to get you to do this. Yes, God will grant you the desires of your heart, but that's not the essence of prayer. The Bible says that we should ask God if we have needs. And sometimes we don't receive things because we don't ask God. But you don't pray every single time just because you want to ask God. Because prayer, true prayer, in its essence, is when you bow yourself before God and you say, God, help me be more like you. Jesus was trying to get out of what he needed to do in the next couple of hours right before going to the cross. And we've talked about this before. He said, man, if if there's any way I can get out of this, please, God, help me. But then he finishes the prayer by saying, but God, don't let it be my will, but your will. What is he telling God there? He's telling, God, change me. I don't want to do my will. I know that I'm here on earth with one purpose, and it's to do your will. And I'm here to tell you, JTP Church, you are here with a purpose. God has you here in this church, in this city, in this time for a purpose. And what God wants is for him to establish his purpose inside of your heart, for you to become God-controlled and allow God to control every single desire in your heart, every single plan in your life. How many people can raise their hands and say, God, I'm willing how many willing people do we have in this place? We need to be willing. Prayer is turning over your life to Jesus and allowing yourself to be God-controlled. I have a couple of more scriptures on prayer as we finish. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. It says, devote yourself to prayer. And I went online and I, I went into the dictionary to see what devotion means. What is God telling me to do when he's calling me to be devoted to prayer? And I found this, devotion, or to devote, means to give all or a large part of one's time or resources to a person, activity, or a cause. So God is calling us, or the Apostle Paul through the Holy Spirit is calling us to devote ourselves to prayer, he's calling us to give all or a large portion of our time and our resources to a cause, which is prayer, connecting with God. You have to understand, if you have life, that life is meant to connect with God on a daily basis. You don't realize how many things you're missing out every single day just because you missed out on prayer. It's something that's free. It's something that's there. And yet, man, so much opposition. I mean, I'll come to church. I don't mind coming to church. I don't mind serving. I don't mind attending HOB. But prayer, gosh, what it's... Why? And I start praying, and then it's so hard to be focused because my mind's going all over the place. But if you ask the Holy Spirit to give you the capability to be still, trust me, you will know who God is. And little by little, you'll start, you start developing a relationship with God. God's going to start speaking to you, and that's what we're going to start speaking about next week. Because once you go to God, it's not just a one-way conversation, and that's why people don't pray. Because they think it's just talking to an invisible person that you're never going to get a response. And God responds to us. God talks to us in so many ways. And you start to get in tune and recognize when God speaks. You know, when you don't speak to God so often, you're like, man, was, was that God that spoke? Or was that me? Or was that? But once you start knowing God, you start recognizing his voice. So devote yourselves to prayer. Be watchful and thankful. How many thankful people do we have in this place? Or maybe like 1 Thessalonians 5.17, it says, pray without ceasing. In other words, pray continually. Pray without stopping. But pastor, I have to eat. I have to use the bathroom. I I have to go to work. I have to do stuff. Yeah, but in your spirit, you have to constantly be connected with God. Desiring more of his presence. Constantly be connected so that he could pass on what he wants to do in your life. So that he could give you resources And give you an overview of what he wants to do through you last verse i want to share with you is first sorry verse before last first timothy 2 8 says therefore i want the men everywhere to pray lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing apostle paul wrote this to young timothy i want the men everywhere when it says men it's talking about mankind it's not talking about just guys all right ladies says, I want men everywhere, everybody say everywhere, Everywhere. to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. I don't know if you're here, I don't know if you pray continually, I don't know if you pray often, I don't know if you pray seldom, I don't know if you've never prayed in your life, but what I want to tell you is that prayer allows you to see things from God's perspective, which is usually very different from ours. God's perspective is totally different. How many of you guys have ever had situations when you were seeing a situation in a certain way and you were praying for God to do something a specific way and God solved the problem, but in a way that you didn't expect? Raise your hand if it ever happened to you. And then you were blown away because you were like, where did this come from? I never expected this. How did God's ways are higher than your ways? God's thoughts are higher than your thoughts. It opens your eyes, prayer does, to the fact that God is constantly speaking and trying to show us that he has a better way. Like when someone younger asks you for advice for something that you've been through, and they start telling you, look, I'm going through this situation, and I'm thinking about doing this. Whoa, whoa, don't do that, because I did that, and I got burned, right? And then you give them your advice because you've been through that situation. Well, God is the same. Jesus was tempted in everything the Bible says. He knows what it is to be walking in this world, in flesh and blood. He suffered through cold. He suffered through uh, betrayal. He suffered through so many things. He can relate. So when you go to him, he's been there already, and he has the solution for you. How many of you guys were gamers growing up? Yeah, any gamers here, right? You were, did it ever happen to you that you, you ever beat a level... And then you went to a friend's house and then they were trying to do the level, but you already beat it. So you were telling them, no, 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 now you got to jump. And you were trying to guide them to beat the boss, or to do right? Well, that's how God is. God comes to us and he tells us, look, I've already been there. Do this. This is what you got to do. But if we don't connect with God, if we're not still, we'll never know God. And all that wisdom will never get passed on to us. And you know what's going to happen? We're going to end up doing things our way. And that's gonna, that's gonna bring a lot of mess ups. It's gonna bring a lot of heartaches, and it's gonna bring about a lot of bad decisions. How many say Amen? amen. Raise your hand if you want to make good decisions. All right, man, y'all on point. God is constantly telling us, "Go for it." Watch out; she's not the one, or it's not the right time. If we have a higher power constantly willing to help us, it's no wonder why Apostle Paul told the Philippians in. Philippians 4 6 do not be anxious about anything come on put your hand around somebody today and tell them whatever's got you anxious whatever has you worried whatever has you in a situation where you don't know what to do it says do not be anxious about anything but in every situation every situation there's no exception there Whatever you're going through, in whatever season, no matter how old are you, in whatever situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. How many say amen to God? Don't be anxious for anything. If you are anxious today, you know what? I got the perfect solution. Let's all stand. And we're going to start practicing this being still tonight. And we're going to bring all the things that have us anxious or that have you worried. And today's Sunday. Tomorrow's Monday. We got a lot of stuff, a lot of challenges that are waiting for us the minute we walk out that door. And God wants you to be able to not be anxious about anything. Are there things that you got to face this week that you can't control? It's all right. God's got you. But he needs you to be still because he wants to speak over you. But he won't speak. He wants to speak to you, but he won't speak over you. So I want to open the altar today. And if you got stuff going on in your life that have got you anxious, your family, your finances, your health, your school, your career, your future, whatever it is, I want you to bring it to the altar. And God is here in this place And God's going to be able to show himself powerful. And you're going to see that the minute you start being still in God's presence, God's going to start filling you with wisdom, not from this world, wisdom that comes from above. And he's going to start to give you the keys to restore your marriage, to restore your relationships, to restore your finances. How many say amen? Now, if you're not still and you're trying to work everything out on your own, then God takes a step back and he says, look, you got it? All right. I'm not going to interfere. But once you humble yourself, that's why the Bible says that God exalts those who humble yourself. Once you realize, man, I need, I need God. I try tried, it tried on my own, but I messed things up. And instead of getting better, things have gotten worse. You know what? I'm going to come, and I'm going to trust God this time. And you give God just that, that place in your heart, you're going to start seeing God pouring over your life opening up doors. I believe with all my heart that God is doing that right now. I believe that God is turning people's lives completely around. God is giving you the freedom that you've been desiring. God is giving you the peace that you need. God is answering questions that you probably had and you didn't understand. Just to go back to what we started with, the whole parable that we read in Luke was with the purpose that people would pray Constantly, consistently. And number two, we will know who God is. Father God, I thank you for every single person in this place. There's still room if you want to come down. I thank you for the humility. I thank you for their hearts. And I thank you, God, because in coming over here, they're putting away all the stuff they're being still, putting all the voices in their minds that are constantly speaking and constantly attacking them. God, we're just being still in your presence because in the stillness of your presence is where your voice starts being heard. God, I know that you never stopped speaking to them. It's just that we weren't connected to the right source. But I believe that from this day on, God, it's going to be clear. We're going to start to develop relationship with you like never before because we're going to take time to be still in your presence and that stillness is just going to tune our ear the same way we recognize our mom's voice when she calls us on the phone and we have no doubt that it's our mom when you call we'll recognize who you are because we will get to know you we will have a relationship with you i declare god that right now in jesus name over every single need, over every single desire, over every single situation that has them anxious. God, you are showing yourself strong. You are showing yourself powerful. You are showing yourself more than able to change any situation in Jesus' name.